0: I think there's a lot of growth that comes in, like learning the local language, befriending local people, learning local recipes, traditional recipes, and uh, living a different way. Welcome to my
1: podcast, Keep It Spicy. My name is Shubha, and I will be your host for today's episode. Interested in hearing about love, life, travel, and career? I will be exploring all those topics and more. If you want to tag along for something fun, entertaining, exciting, and of course, spicy, hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with more episodes. Now, let's get into it.
0: This is Keep It Spicy.
1: Today's guest is Maya Guerrero. Maya is a multilingual corporate communicator with a passion for expressing content in a way that is simple yet compelling. Maya began to follow her passion for communications when she moved to France back in 2012. She spent two years in Paris as a communications assistant and manager which allowed her to build on her leadership skills, languages, and follow her career ambitions in the field that she loves. An avid traveler foodie, and lover of language, Maya Guerrero is a proud Dominican-Canadian who has lived in five countries, speaks three and a half languages, has eaten 16,000 different varieties of cheese, and whose spirit animal is Anita Eckbird's kitten in La Dolce Vida. Okay, so thank you, Maya, for joining me today. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Thanks for coming on Keep It Spicy today. Thanks for having me, Shuba. I'm
0: so happy to be here.
1: So I'm going to start by asking you to tell me and our listeners, like a little bit about yourself, like what's your story? What have you been up to lately, you know, personally or professionally, whichever one you want to share. Basically, what's the spice to your life?
0: Oh my gosh, great question. The spice to my life. So recently, um, (laughs) I got to say like my life is, you know, like everybody else's during the pandemic at home. And, you know, literal spices. So I've been playing a lot with different recipes. I was into kombucha brewing for a while, um, trying different workouts. And generally I am doing that kind of thing. But because of all the time I have in my hands, I have, yeah, a lot more. And uh, I just came back also from Spain. So that was a pretty big um, (laughs) transition, you know, coming from life in Madrid, um, the hustle and bustle of that to my Toronto apartment (laughs) and quietness. So, yeah. I love it.
1: I love it. And can you tell me something about yourself or, you know, tell our listeners something about yourself that people might actually be surprised to learn, like something that we may not necessarily be able to
0: like search up about you on LinkedIn or something? So randomly, I lived in Madagascar for three months of my life. (laughs) And I think that's that's a pretty random one because I, I don't know, I talk to people and I, especially people that have traveled a lot and nobody seems to go there. Like it's not necessarily, you know, a destination that people go to. So it's very rare. And on occasion, I do meet someone that's either from Madagascar um and has had that experience um so yeah that's always it's always nice to find because I, I think that's something rare and different
1: okay no I love that I actually do love your story about Madagascar because that's like how we I don't know if you remember but like when we met you had told me because I mentioned that I grew up in Nigeria and you were like oh I lived in Madagascar and, oh, right. in Antananarivo or like I'm pretty yeah. sure I butchered the the capital but yeah.
0: no you actually great pronunciation most people oh, thank you. yeah <laughs>
1: Interesting. So I also wanted to talk to you about your career in corporate communications. And of course, like you mentioned, like, I do want to know a little bit more about your travel adventures. And you've lived in countries like France, Canada, obviously, you mentioned Madagascar, Spain. Um, You've been to Italy. So like, I want to start by like learning a bit more about these like expeditions. So could you tell me the little stories behind your move to Madagascar? like your move to France when you went there um, through Isaac, if I'm not mistaken. And then, of course, like, tell me a little bit more about this most recent move you made to Spain.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I guess I can start a little um, way back. Like, as I mentioned, I was born in the Dominican Republic and then my family moved to Washington, D.C., actually. So before we immigrated to Canada, I did junior kindergarten in in the D.C. area. Um, and then my mom decided to move up to Canada to Toronto for different personal family reasons and we ended up here so it was her my brother and I um, and then I did yeah grade one up until like all of my schooling here um, but it was funny because when I got here it was actually an ESL um, I went to university um, Glendon the French campus the York University French campus and you know I I always loved the language, the French language and the French culture. I did extended French um, from when I was in grade seven. So I'm not sure if you know Shuba, but here in Ontario, at least you have the option of doing French extended, which is geography and history in French, as well as an advanced French class. Um, So I never did like, yeah. So I never did like the normal geo and history classes. And then I selected my high school because of that too, uh, Riverdale, because they had an extended French program. And then, you know, that also influenced my decision to to go to Glendon. Um, And so I always said, you know, after university, I really want to move to France. Like I didn't necessarily know what I would be doing there, how I would get there, um, how it would all work out you know, I was prepared to wait tables, I was prepared to work at a cafe, just to do anything, you know, to to finally be in the place where I could practice and perfect my French. Um, so, yeah, uh, that decision and, you know, thinking about that all throughout my undergrad led me to finding out about Isaac. The world was so divided and separated, so they started a long, long time ago, um, and yeah, they're still they're still up and running. It's affiliated with many um, different universities. And anyway, yeah, I was part of the Glendon chapter and I found this great opportunity in Paris of all places. So my dream was, you know, coming true. And, and um, you know, it wasn't all easy, like even getting that job. I remember in order to basically to participate in an Isaac internship, in France, you had to maintain um, university student status. So I was in my last year of university and about to graduate and basically being offered this internship in Paris um, in internal communications. And but they said, you know, if I graduate, then I wouldn't have that student status. So I actually ended up pushing my graduation another year <laughs> so that I could go and do it. Um, And then, of course, when I got there, you know, living in a completely different continent, a completely different country also came with its challenges, but so much fun. It was an incredible year in Paris and and probably one of the best, uh, one of the best years of my life.
1: Oh, I love that. I love (laughs) hearing you say that like your dreams came true. And this is something that I've told Maya as well, but I'll just tell our listeners like Maya is that person who like, before you moved to spain i met you and you were like oh i want to move to spain i want to leave toronto and move to spain and then i was like okay and then 6 months later i see you on your instagram story hey everybody i'm moving to spain like it's such a it's such a nice <laughs> feeling to be like wow like people's dreams do come true like the things yeah. that you want to happen do come true so it's such a sweet story
0: yeah i mean as long as you know what you want and you're willing to work for what you want, and you have kind of that clear vision of what exactly it is and how like just being as precise as possible, then on it you just it does come true because you're you're you know you're working for it you're making it happen so yeah
1: thanks. And- <laughs> Speaking of like Madagascar, since it is like a country (laughs) that I'm pretty sure like nobody has really heard about it, even though there's like the movie, but I feel like people don't really register that Madagascar is like an actual country where people live and not just like giraffes and lions and stuff that you see in the movies. And Uh, there aren't even
0: giraffes and lions. Those, (laughs) Those animals don't even exist in Madagascar.
1: Can I ask you, is there something that you'd wished you'd done before you left home to like Madagascar like a place that like not many people
0: think to go imagine going from gorgeous Paris like beautiful Paris where you know they have like beautifully adorned bridges doors like decoration it's just immaculate to you know Antena Narivo where there are children on the street dogs on the street garbage everywhere um I it was a shock for me um when I landed in like that very night at that airport I remember like just full of people and it was loud and messy and <laughs> I was I I didn't know if I was gonna make a chuba I gave myself a week I said okay um I'm going to give myself a week and if I don't feel comfortable and I feel like I can't do it I'm just gonna go home to Canada because um this is difficult this is different you know even though i was grew up you know early life in the dominican republic madagascar was just a completely different experience so I gave myself the week and by the end of it, I thought, you know what, if I can get through this, I can get through anything in life. Um, because I wasn't living in Antananarivo, actually, I was living in an even more remote village in the middle of Madagascar. And as you know, it's a very big island. And it was a place called Ambusit, Ambusht, that's how they pronounce it. Um, and, you know, the closest beach was like a nine hour plus Taxi oh. Bruce ride, which is like this, like cramped minibus <laughs> with a broken speaker, and it's just hot and whatever. Anyway, I decided if I can get through this, I can get through anything. Um, and so I stuck it out. I stuck it out, and I found things to do. I actually had an English teaching radio show with some British people there. I ended up volunteering for a nonprofit that helped um, uh, rural schools get school supplies so i would bring supplies to schools in 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 the area and yeah it was it was very rural and it was very challenging you know i i used to take a shower in a bucket so it wasn't even a shower like i remember having to like warm up this bucket of water with this like um like water i don't even know what you call them but they just warm up water it's kind of like a metal rod kind of dangerous looking back now but yeah it was it was tough and the food i i i couldn't get used to the food um you know but within all of that within all that just hard and like toughness and also just like being surrounded by the reality of how these people live and you know i just i really grew and thought i need to stick this out because there are people living like this all the time and this is their life so i i just thought okay i'm just gonna try and do the best i can to to help these people out you know with the time that i have here and i befriended many locals and yeah it was was an experience
1: (laughs) sounds like some some character development happened
0: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah It was, it was. And I really, yeah, if you're like early in your career, if you can have an experience like that, like, especially if you grew up in a kind of more privileged and comfortable society and place, definitely it's, yeah, I think it's worth having. And, you know, it's going to be hard, but it's, yeah, it's something that I bring with me everywhere I go now. And ever since that experience, you know, I can be in another uncomfortable situation, but like, I was like, you know, if I got through Madagascar, <laughs> I can get through this. I always compare it, and I always tell my family and friends, I'm going to bring you there with me one day, so that you know <laughs> what I went through. <laughs> and in all that, of course, there were good times. Like I know, I always talk about kind of like how hard it was because it it really, really was for me. Um, but you know, it was also I remember I was seeing the most. Um, incredible things at the same time you know those beautiful baobabs a beautiful nature full of lemurs um, rainforests the Indian Ocean was incredible so yeah it's a great trip three months I was there for three months
1: very some holistic development happened there some (laughs) eye-opening experiences it sounds
0: like (laughs) definitely yeah love
1: this And then could you tell us a little bit more about your most recent trip to Spain, which you did take solo
0: also? Yeah, I took that trip solo. So I was about to turn, I was turning 30. I was 29, working for an investment bank here in Toronto. Um, you know, pretty comfortable job, pretty comfortable life. Like, you know, things are okay. Things were great, <laughs> but I thought, you know what, if I turn 30 and I just end up staying here, um, I'm not, I feel like I'll end up regretting it. So I thought, let's just, let's just you know, do the Europe thing one more time. And I, I had already lived in France and I speak Spanish. So I thought, you know, what makes sense is Spain. And I visited Spain when I was living in France, and i I visited Barcelona and Mallorca, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the country itself and the people and the food and the nightlife. So I decided to move to Madrid um, even though I had never been to Madrid, but I thought I would have more luck um, in my job search because it's um you know the business capital of of the con- the capital of the country right so um yeah, I moved to Madrid and it was incredible. It was another great year of my life. I met amazing people, had some incredible um, experiences, had the best food, traveled a lot. Um, I lived like a 20-minute subway ride to the airport. Um, And, you know, especially now I can see like how amazing it all was because I'm just at home.
1: And like in
0: Madrid, I was used to like hopping on an airplane every two or three weeks. (laughs) So just a different life. But yeah. um, Yeah. Madrid was great. I ended up going there through a program called Beta, which is an English teaching program. Language program, culture exchange program available to Canadians and Americans, and the only requirement was to have a university degree, okay, um, and obviously, you know, uh, native English. Um, they required that as well, um, and it was it was quite the difference, you know, going from my investment firm here in Toronto to teaching English. Um, outside madrid and and being in a classroom full of children 30 children at once was quite the difference and i had never taught before you know um the only other english experience i had was in madagascar teaching on the radio but it wasn't the same the same thing um you know when you have to be in a in a classroom full of like high school teenage boys and and girls and they're super loud especially <laughs> in spain they tend to be a little louder um yeah. But again, I met amazing people. I met other teachers, you know, on a similar journey, um, on a similar path that I was on. So that made it all worth it. I ended up going through International Experience Canada also, which I'm not sure if you've heard of have you heard of IEC, Shuba?
1: No, I've never heard no, of
0: it. No, IEC. So it's a government program that actually lets you travel um um as a Canadian citizen to many different countries from age 18 to 35 so it expires at 35 after 35 you can't do it Um, so I was also taking advantage of that program right so I had that in mind Um, so they have different visa categories and I went under a predetermined contract which basically means you're going there with a contract then I was able to go to Spain a second year and then um, through a different category. So these programs do exist and a lot of people don't know about them. Um, The only thing you have to be careful of is the age requirement. So it's 18 to 35, but some countries expire at 30. So for example, London, England, uh, it's only 18 to 30. Australia is 18 to 30. If you wanna move to Hong Kong, it's 30. But luckily France and Spain are 35. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yay. Take notes, kids. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're moving to a new country, you're going to Spain, you're like, okay, I'm gonna leave everything and travel. And like, if I'm not mistaken, you went there without the goal of returning right away, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wanted to go for at least two years because the year just goes by so fast. Like, I feel like a year is not enough. You need to give yourself at least two years if you want the full experience. Because the first year you're figuring it all out. You're like, all right. I need to find an apartment. I need to find friends. I need to find like a gym or whatever it is that's important to you, right? You're settling, you're settling in, you're kind of figuring it all out. And then the second year, that's when you really start to enjoy things because you have your established group of friends, hopefully. You know, you've got your routine. Um, So I was going in for that second year. And then, of course, 2020 being everything (laughs) that it has been. Um, I was I was actually getting ready to move from Madrid to Barcelona, and then the day that I arrived in Barcelona was the the day right before lockdown. So the next day it was already too late. I landed in Barcelona the next day. They they announced lockdown, um, and I had to stay in the house. You know, lucky for me, I was with. Uh, some close friends from Canada actually they they used to be my neighbors here in Toronto and they also made the move to Barcelona um, and they're still there they've been there for a couple a few years now they have a great penthouse apartment overlooking the mountains and the ocean um, they're a great place anyway I stayed there with them for a little while until it became a little too difficult to be far away from family in this time yeah does that answer? Yeah, no, that does, yeah. Mike Boer,
1: or basically where I was going at, it's like, so when you do this type of move where you're like, okay, I'm going to go for a couple of years, what do you do with your stuff back home? Like, how do you, what do you, <laughs> what do, you do with the the, the rest? Of, so what do you do with your stuff?
0: Like, I, I have a very patient mom <laughs> and very understanding mom that just, you know, she is the best. She is the most supportive person. Um, she never once, you know, said no to me. And it's true. She was always very supportive. She always trusted me. Like when I was like, mom, I'm going to move to Paris. She's like, all right. All right. And she comes to visit too. So that we've had the best trips of our lives, like mother-daughter trips, because when I go, she, she always comes um, to visit. And, And most recently in Spain, she actually came and we walked, the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage, the Way of St. James, uh, which is a very long pilgrimage. It's like it's like five to six weeks long, but we only did about a week of it. But that was like a week of walking every day. Um, And anyway, yeah, it practically, um, you got to have someone that's willing to like store your stuff for family or, or I guess you could always pay for storage if you don't have that. Or, you know, you can embrace the minimalist lifestyle where you just don't own much so it kind of depends I'm definitely not a minimalist (laughs) I'm working on it I would love to be a minimalist um but I just I love fashion so one of my weaknesses is I I shop 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 and I always shop like shopped so much in Paris I shopped so much in Spain especially because you know Spain is like the home of Zara and um, Massimo Dutti and all these places so yeah Came back with a lot of stuff. I, I definitely paid more than five hundred dollars in excess baggage fees when I came home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. All worth it. Just all all, all the, the price of being fabulous.
0: <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm not, that's one of my goals right now during the pandemic. It's you know, how to, to live downsize. like a minimalist and yeah, but not only like downsize because you can get because I get rid of a lot of stuff. That's the problem. The problem is I get rid of it all but then I just buy it. All, I buy it all back. Right. So <laughs> it's not like I'm attached to things. Like it's easy for me to like donate, but then I just buy everything back. <laughs> so it's kind of like deeper kind of inner work. Right.
1: <laughs> that needs to be some, done. Some more soul, you need to go back to Madagascar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and do some more. Things.
0: Please don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Maybe Costa Rica. That'd be nice.
1: So speaking of like buying and all of that, if I were in your place and I wanted to like move countries or make a shift, like an indefinite shift, so to speak, how would you recommend I go about budgeting for something like that? Good question.
0: Like, and it really depends on the lifestyle that you want to lead, right? So if you're somebody that, you know, takes health and fitness very seriously, you're going to have to budget for a gym membership or something or some outdoor, you know, activity which will require whatever it is um uh, same same thing for food you know if you want to go out uh to eat if you love and and you enjoy restaurants and bars then then you're going to have to budget for that but and unfortunately yes when you're especially early in your career and you're working you're not making a lot of money um yeah that's just the reality of it so learn to cook, um, you know, not eat out as much, especially in 2012 in Paris. Yeah, that, that was where, you know, it was just kind of basic ingredients. But the thing is, in these places, especially in Europe, in France, and in Spain, um, it is not so expensive to find simple ingredients that will, you know, make your, make you happy and make your belly happy, right? So like a, a cheese, that you can buy here at the St. Lawrence market, you know, for $20 is like two euros in Spain or France, right? So same with like, you know, a very nice baguette. Um, You can get like a very good quality wine for five euros. The things that are expensive here are very inexpensive there, especially when it comes to food. Yeah, it's all very possible. I mean, when it gets more tricky and complicated is when you're budgeting for a trip. Because that's when you're kind of not in control. That's when, you know, costs can just add up. Um, like, let's say you miss an, your flight and you have to all, all of a sudden fork out however much it is, you know, if you missed a flight. But you just plan for those things. Um, you plan for those things and then you also, there are many different alternatives. You don't need to take an expensive train Um you know, you can take Blah Blah Car, for example, which is really popular in, in both France and Spain. And and that's a carpooling service that I use quite a bit. Um, yeah, it was kind of scary at first, you know, being a girl and just hopping on a, you know, Blah Blah Car, especially like if it's just like a guy driving and you're like, okay, <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. You know, I, I always took precautions. I took pictures of the license plate and I sent them to my brother or my mom, you know, like just... feel safer and they always ended up being the most pleasant trips like i remember i wanted to go visit those same friends that i talked about earlier in barcelona and i was in madrid um, and the flights and the trains were just just too expensive and the trip from madrid to barcelona was only about three to four hours uh by car which you know to us here in canada what's three to four hours like what is that nothing right so over there people are like oh distance is like a four-hour bus ride are you crazy I'm like this that's nothing like I can sit on a in a car for that long for sure and anyway I ended up having the most pleasant conversation with this kind of hippie kite surfer guy and his dog you know in the front seat for four hours he was French actually and we just talked about life in Madrid so it's all very possible um you know to budget and, and be on in a budget you know God knows I, I I've definitely been on those and it's also about knowing, like, okay, when to treat yourself and when you just need to hold back a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, how do you meet new people when you go to a new place? And this is like aside from your coworkers who you will obviously be meeting, except now if you have a if now because of COVID that you don't actually meet, but like you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so, like yeah. aside from the coworkers and the people that you'll be seeing because of your career, your profession, how do you meet people otherwise? Like, how do you make or form connections with people when you are in a foreign country.
0: Yeah, I mean, in Paris, a lot of those friends initially were, yeah, those coworkers. But also because I went through Isaac, you know, I met a lot of Isaac people. And same with um, Madrid. I met a lot of people from the beta program teaching. But aside from that, there are, you know, tons of websites and meetup groups that you can join. Um, for example, in, in Spain, I was a really big fan of meetup.com. So, you know, I would join like a yoga meetup, art meetup, flamenco meetup, whatever it was, and meet lots of interesting people there. Also did like, um, you know, Nike and Adidas, they hold these runs, you know, you can meet a lot of people just like doing outdoorsy things and, or even hiking. Um, Even Facebook groups are huge. I follow, I'm part of one called Girl Gone International on facebook Ooh. have you heard of that one
1: no but so- i'm i'm also part of like some type of like girl travel group but that one yeah so
0: i should join it yeah those facebook groups are amazing now you know people that are just united over a common interest or a place um i find that like especially on facebook like a girl would just be like hey i'm new to madrid anybody want to come grab a coffee with me like at this time this day i'm going to be in this area and people actually commented and would join right so the um facebook is a great resource um there are also groups like internations which is kind of more geared at young professionals but they host events at like the most incredible venues in the city they have one in toronto they have one it's everywhere internations have you heard of that one
1: no i haven't yeah
0: Internations is another good one. Um, Sometimes language exchange. (laughs) I laugh because sometimes language exchange, especially kind of like the men have different intentions there and it's not just about (laughs) exchanging, but you got to be careful with those um, language exchanges. But yeah, all in all, I'd say, especially if you're a young expat or not even young, any age, if you're an expat, there's going to be a community for you. Now, what's a little bit more difficult is um befriending the locals. It depends where you're living and like how receptive uh locals are you know to you and and different people but yeah it's just just a personality thing it depends and and usually you know for local friends you you know you meet them at work they're your colleagues and 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 I like to have local friends, of course, because that's the most beautiful thing right you're living in a in a different country. You want to meet the people and, you know, that's important. Not just, you know, show up and expect all your friends to speak English and be expats like you. I think there's a lot of growth that comes in, like learning the local language, befriending local people, learning local recipes, traditional recipes and uh, living a different way. You also went to like Seneca
1: and, you know, where you have a degree in like corporate communications and PR. So what would you say have been the challenges with regards to finding a role or job in a foreign or new country in your in this area so this area of interest in
0: communications in communications so yeah communications is pretty broad and it really depends on what you your focus area is in um i would say that the easiest way to kind of get a job is is beforehand you know either going through a program like isaac if you're still a student or if you work for a, an international company, trying to get a transfer um, within your company to their to a local office, because when you show up and you're trying to find a job, and you don't have your network, you don't have your contacts, it is difficult. It's definitely difficult, and that's when you have to be like, all right, let me go to these internation meetups, let me go to these expat meetup groups, and just network. The heck out of yourself you know so Paris for me wasn't so challenging because I went through an organization um, the second year after my teaching English I thought okay it's time to get back and back at it I want a career I want to focus on my career um, I want to get a comms job and and it, and it was pretty challenging it was all especially in Spain um, most places were Word of mouth. Um, So you would get an interview if you knew somebody that worked at this place, they would kind of hook you up with it. And that was the norm. It was very, very difficult to get a job interview just from a job posting on a website. Um, So yeah, in Spain, it was a lot of that kind of networking. And that's how I ended up getting my job at Vice Media Virtue the creative agency of Vice Media was through a friend but then once I got it you know it was amazing it was great to work in an office full of Spanish people and and work in Spanish and and um, yeah an incredible experience but definitely uh, challenging in the area of communications. I think that there are a lot of people pursuing a career in communications right now too so there's a lot of competition and even local competition. One say one thing I will say though is that being a native English speaker is an asset. So sometimes you are up against a smaller talent pool because you're a native English speaker. So that's that's always a plus. And if you're a native English speaker that can speak the local language, even better.
1: So you were you were quite the asset. You spoke Spanish and spoke English. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah my languages have helped that's for sure that's for sure <laughs> um,
1: I'm gonna ask you a little bit more now, like we're gonna shift focus to more of like the communications aspect of like your career, so I know that you have like an affinity for creating content that's like both visually appealing and simple. yeah, so how important is like how would you describe like the important uh, importance of like content communication in communication in like the field of communications and pr
0: yeah great question i see you've been looking at my linkedin (laughs) yes (laughs) ma'am so before moving to Spain I actually launched I had a small kind of side business here with local Toronto businesses called content for social Um, and yeah I was creating content for small businesses um, and I was really adamant about getting people to kind of steer away from using stock imagery so it's just it was just like a pet peeve of mine you know i really feel like to be authentic and genuine online you know social media it's just so important and getting your message through through like through content of your own and not you know pictures that are very very obviously stock um images is just something that mm, and people are definitely now starting to do and creating their own content. but uh, not many not many people do. you know it because maybe because of also the price, it's definitely an investment to get a photographer to come in and create videos um, and and take pictures. Um, but I just feel that it's so important, you know to kind of uh, take ownership of your brand and put out content that really reflects who you are, you know what whatever your brand is. Whatever your product is or even service, you know it'll take pictures of the actual employees that you work with, you know for your website rather than just you know a stock image of like four random people so that's kind of what I mean by you know the visual aspect of it, and I also think that this world is just so visual now, and you know we we see this with videos and you know we're all just kind of scrolling through and The things that catch our attention are the more unique things, the more, you know, the things that aren't stock, right? So, No, I
1: agree with you there. You don't want something, you want, you want that customized picture as opposed to like the super basic thing that you know, that you've seen a million times. Exactly. Could you tell me about a time when you were creating content or just like a campaign that you did that didn't perform as well as you'd expected so like how do you go about that situation like what how do you troubleshoot something like that
0: yeah a great question um I'll give you an example of I was working on a campaign a social media campaign that we had invested a lot of ad spend on um and this was an international campaign we were using um Lots of images um, of different people, different ethnicities, and races. races. Um, and it's somehow the campaign, because of what was going on in the world, uh, took a turn. And it became comment after comment, people being extremely racist and inappropriate, um, you know, in Instagram and Facebook and Twitter less so. But more so, just very inappropriate um, hate, uh, hate speech on there, and 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 yeah, that that campaign really took a turn, and we had to kind of sit down and say, all right, like this is unacceptable. You know, deleted those comments uh, as quickly as possible, uh, and then also, you know, we had to keep a closer eye, you know, because we didn't want to have a comment and then have that be up for the whole day. So monitoring increased and, you know, checking every, every half hour. Or so to see how a poster was doing, um, you know, became the norm because we just, we didn't want to have that kind of talk on there. Right.
1: Okay. No, I, I agree with what you're saying with the, you don't want that negative energy.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It just it was such a great program. And there were so many amazing things happening. And that was just like, you know, there are trolls everywhere, especially on social media and some people just they just want to be trolls and they just want attention. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. um, (laughs) That that's something that you have to deal with when you open yourself up in social media, there are going to be haters.
1: Um, what personality characteristics would you say are important to be successful in a comms related field?
0: Yeah. So there are many different types of people in comms. Um, and it really depends on what kind of comms you do. Um, but I would say, I think the thing that matters the most is that you're an open person. And what I mean by that is you're Open to you know working with other people. You're friendly and receptive to what other people have to say, um, and that also I think another thing that's really important is to be detail oriented. <laughs> you know that one's really practical, but it's true that in comms, you know that's something that's very very valued. So if you're somebody that you know pays close attention to detail, you know. Crossing your T's and dotting your I's is very important because the last thing you want to see in a corporate communication or even on social media, you know, you see it a lot are like spelling mistakes and things like that. So that's really important to succeed in the field for sure and if you're not detail-oriented then you become that person right you triple check double check triple check and and that's something you can always work on
1: okay and this is my final question before we head into our lightning round do you have any mottos like life philosophies that have helped you make tough decisions and this can be whichever one you want it to like in regards to like your co- career in communications or like your your travel expedition so like
0: Oh, man. Mottos. Trusting your gut is a really important one for me. I take I take that gut feeling very, very seriously. And I feel like it's always guided me um, in my decisions, you know, and, and I also think that that gut feeling is also kind of somewhat spiritual for me. So I kind of see it as like, it's God kind of showing me and helping me Make the make a decision because I've definitely made some you know decisions that were really really difficult to make. But I think trusting yourself and going for it has definitely guided me. Um, and also, fake it till you make it. I think is another one. <laughs> like if you're not an expert in something and if you, you know, you don't feel comfortable and you're nervous and you're scared about something, just do it anyway and you learn along the way and if you have that kind of personality i think you you will make it you know and let's say you don't and it's a total failure then you tried you tried and you did it anyway and and uh you learned from it so yeah i guess those are kind of like things that have guided me
1: <laughs> solid advice and now we're going to shift gears on to <laughs> the questions we're going to play a little a little game are you ready for the lightning round
0: I'm very ready. I'm excited. (laughs) It's time for the lightning round.
1: So are you a morning person or a night owl?
0: Oh, God. I'm definitely a morning person.
1: What's your favorite (laughs) social media platform?
0: Instagram and Pinterest, if I can say. Those two are my favorite. I love them equally. Pinterest isn't necessarily a social media um platform, but I've I've been on Pinterest since day 1 and it's not just like for buying stuff. It's like home, uh reno's, even goal setting. I have like a vision board on there and it's funny because every time I pin something in my vision board, it comes true. <laughs> oh my god, Maya, you should pin my goals on your vision board. <laughs> it's true one way or another and sometimes it's uncanny like even I pinned this like beautiful bohemian kind of like decor with like these Moroccan poofs and a carpet and I I go back to my Pinterest board like months later and I'm in my sitting in my living room and I have the exact same poofs and like the decor the same thing going on I'm like oh my gosh Oh, my like gosh. The power, the power of Pinterest and knowing what you want. <laughs>
1: wow. Okay. I need to do the same thing. <clears throat> and I need to pin my goals
0: onto your vision boards. So <laughs> I'll make you a contributor. <laughs> Thank you. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> for-profit or non-profit? Hmm, I wish I could work in non-profit, but I'm at a point in my life where I, I, I need to work for-profit. But I think eventually I will go back to working uh, for a nonprofit and a cause that I really care about. Would you buy a business or start a business? Start a business for sure. City or countryside? City living, countryside, uh, just weekend getaways like cottage. I love like Canada's cottage country. It's so much fun.
1: Country that you've been to with the best coffee or tea?
0: Oh, Italy! Nothing compares to Italian coffee. When abroad, what home comfort do you miss the most? Oh, my God. It's so funny, but I was just talking to my friend about this. Shoppers Drug Mart. Oh. <laughs> There's nothing like it. It's just you walk into a sh- shoppers and you have everything. It's like a pharmacy, makeup, books, a bookstore, everything all in one. Um, and that's kind of the thing I, I miss the most when I'm, when I'm abroad. best piece of advice you've ever received probably again trust that gut feeling window seat or aisle seat oh man I have a really funny story about this (laughs) so when I was coming back from Madagascar (laughs) to Paris I had like terrible food poisoning up until like the end of Madagascar it was just week after week I would I just didn't get used to the food uh, and I really wanted an aisle seat. I usually always want a window seat. I book the window seat cuz I love seeing the view and taking videos and looking out and contemplating about my life. It's all very romantic. <laughs> the <laughs> main character time, mood. Yeah, exactly. But this time I just needed access to the bathroom like if I needed. It. And I was sitting next to like this German couple and I explained to them the situation. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to be um possibly like getting up to go to the washroom. (laughs) So can I have the aisle seat? Um, and they said, no, <laughs> and I was like, well, fine. Well, I'm just going to be like bothering you, you know, <laughs> this whole trip. Anyway, I was fine. It was just a precaution. I ended up passing out on the flight and waking up in Paris and going to like have McDonald's <laughs> for the first time in three months. Like my roommate was waiting for me. My old roommate was waiting for me with McDonald's, which was kind of like yeah, a real comfort after three months. Oh my gosh, you passed out on the flight? I completely passed out. Oh, I've had experiences on flights. I have fainted on an airplane before, walking to the bathroom, like Oh my gosh. I, yeah, this was recent too. This was uh, from Geneva to Madrid. I was just like feeling super dizzy and I was like, okay, I need to go to the washroom and just like just put some water on my face. And I didn't make it. So next thing I know, I'm like like just passed out uh you know the floor there in the aisle and people like oh everybody's gasping and it's like a movie it was like ah is she okay I was like oh my god this is so embarrassing I like got up and yeah um the flight attendants were like oh my gosh come with us sit here and they like sat me they sat me at the front and gave me like orange juice (laughs) it was so embarrassing but I was fine and I know it was my fault I actually didn't sleep the night before. I went straight from, I was with some friends in outside in Lausanne in Switzerland. And then I had to take a train from Lausanne to Geneva and then um, airplane from Geneva to to Madrid. And my flight was at seven in the morning and I was just out partying with my friends. (laughs) And then I took the train and I didn't sleep. So it was just my fault. I was like dehydrated and priorities (laughs) (laughs)
1: was priorities. <laughs> <laughs> um country with the best street food that you've ever had.
0: Say probably Spain. Probably the north of Spain, like um okay. San Sebastian area. Yeah. So good. Okay. Such great food, uh, pinchos.
1: Yeah. Written communication or verbal communication? At work
0: or in my personal life?
1: Whatever you want to whatever context you want to
0: add to that. Oh god. Um I guess verbal. Yeah, there's nothing like a good conversation. Emojis or gifts? Good one. Well, like before I would have said emojis, but with all these amazing and funny gifts, definitely gifts now. Like my gift GIF GIF keyboard, <laughs> yeah, gifts are hilarious these days. I have groups where like all we do is just send each other gifts all day. <laughs> it's so funny.
1: And my final question if you could describe yourself
0: as a flavor, what would it be? My favorite ice cream flavor is pistachio. So maybe maybe, we'll
1: we'll go with that then.
0: Let's go with Pistachio. pistachio. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. And now, so that brings us to the end of this episode and to send you all off with a quote, I would love for Maya, our special guest to do the honors of reading it out.
0: Leap and the net will appear. And this one really inspired me, you know, when I was getting ready to make that, you know, decision to move to Spain at 29, I was hesitant, of course, you know, I'm in my late 20s, and I'm like, oh, man, like, is this the right decision for my career? I was very, very unsure, and then I read this quote, quote, leap and the net will appear, and fortunately, the net did appear, and that was in the form of people, you know, if it it wasn't for some of the amazing people that I met in Spain, I would have been back after a month or two. So yeah, the net did appear and, and it always kind of does, you know, it always works out. You just have to believe in yourself. If
1: our listeners are interested in learning like even more about you, is there a way that they can follow you or reach
0: out to you? Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty big on Instagram. So it's at Maya, M-A-Y-A dot Delmar, D-E-L-M-A-R at Maya dot Delmar. <laughs>
1: you can follow Maya for all her worldly expeditions
0: yeah yeah definitely give me a follow i do have a private account right now but i'm thinking of making it public either way um, send me a, a friend request and i'll i'll um i'll add you (laughs) lovely
1: thank you again maya for joining me this was a lot of fun and i hope to hear or since i'm i am following you i hope to see more adventures and live vicariously through you in the Um, as i have
0: been doing oh thank you so much Shuba. i'm so happy to that you you know chose me to be a part of this i'm I'm, yeah i'm happy to share and yeah (laughs)
1: that brings us to the end of this episode I hope you folks enjoyed that join me next Sunday for another episode on keep it spicy if you want to stay in the loop follow me on instagram at underscore keep it spicy and on twitter at keep it spicy pod for more related content and some pick-me-ups in the middle of your week like comment and share the content and podcast with friends and family on that note remember folks keep it spicy yours truly xx